your podcast for all things EPL Draft Fantasy. Unfortunately, we don't have the full compliment tonight. We we have someone who's gone AWOL, but we do have Gilby and we do have Mick. So, gentlemen, um, seeing as this is our 20th episode, um, you know, no one thought that we'd we'd get this far. I mean, I had my doubts, but uh, it seems as though not everyone could hack it. So Dave's not with us tonight. Um, what are we thinking? Are we thinking he's just fatigued after, you know, 20 episodes in or is uh, do we need to give him some maybe a bit of, bit of time off so he can... He can recharge those batteries. Well, last time I saw him, he was claiming some kind of mystery illness, um, which may or may not be performance related, depending on whether or not you have a look at his fantasy team or whether or not you know Dave in real life. I'll leave that up to your imagination what that might be. Um, But yeah, I mean, just um, an interesting one in all respects. Yeah, I mean, there seems to be a lot of mystery illnesses going going on uh, in in all facets of EPL at the moment, so uh, we'll have to we'll have to touch base with him and see how he's going with with that. Um, I'm sure he's fine though. I'm sure he's. fine. I think at last sight he was hip deep in some kind of Christmas wrapping incident, or maybe some kind of maybe the Lego hasn't cooperated with him this year. We'll have to see mm. how that goes. Potentially, I'm just I'm just visualizing ten thousand paper cuts as he's trying to uh, get all those get all those. Uh, prezzies under the tree so well personally sh- my money is on him commandeering a bike or scooter that was meant for his boys and in, at, at managing to injure himself using that oh i like that too I, that's that sounds dave that sounds like dave i like yeah i think that's the way to go so um boys 20 episodes we there's been a, a lot happening in the world of epl um over the last week so I might I might jump in and just talk about my moment of the week this week, and it's really it's a simple one. It's just the fact that Man City seem to be moving away from the other main players. Um, Liverpool, Chelsea having dropped points, not being able to get on top of their opponents in the last game week, um, but City against Liverpool in particular, absolute. Oh, sorry, against Leeds, I should say. Um, absolutely flying. So, you know, they've had a pretty good run these last few weeks, scored plenty bags of goals, which is great for fantasy points. Um, but, yeah, it's it seems like there's a, a little gap developing and it will be very interesting to see when those big three play each other, just whether or not uh, Man City can still come out on top or whether Chelsea or Liverpool can, can slowly reel them in. So that's really just, you know, my really simple, straightforward moment of the week. I think it's something that's interesting in EPL at this point in time. Uh, Gilby, have you got something for us? Moment of the week. Yeah, no, I mean, you all know how much I love my stats and um, poor old Leeds unfortunately set a record that they did not want to set. They became the worst defensive team in the Opta era in one half of football, that is. They allowed 11 shots on target in the first half versus Arsenal, which was a record in the Opta era of keeping statistics. So not a good round to have any kind of Leeds defensive players if you do still have them in your team. Um, yeah, it's been a rough one for them with injuries and all sorts of dramas there. So it's gonna gonna be a rough one for them up next as well because they are traveling to Liverpool. So Ooh. we'll talk about that one a bit later too. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say, well, maybe maybe for the keeper it's not so bad because you know you get save points, but uh, he didn't end up saving too many, did he? So uh, that probably isn't gonna work out. Bonus. No, given he's wise. playing in my team, he did not save any. I can tell you that. Oh, and we'll obviously get to that later on too, Gilby. So that that'll be an interesting chat. Um, Mick, what have you got for us this week? 
Well, we also kind of just seem to be on the leads train. Um, mine's a little bit different, and it's not necessarily about how poor they are, um, but how the penalty taker for Leeds. So Rafinha, not a noted penalty taker, um, but seems to have taken over from Matthias Klich, Klich, however you want to say his name, um, as their main penalty taker. So he's taken three in the last three weeks or something like that, I think, Rafinha. He's only taken a total of seven in his career. So he took three in the Portuguese league, scored two, missed one, took one in Ligue 1 when he was there, um, the French league, and then the last three have been in the last three weeks. So... Interesting that um, he's overtaking Klitsch. Now, the first two he did take, but Bamford and Click weren't playing. Um, but Click's back. Bamford's not far, except he maybe he's injured again, I think I read. But, um, yeah, interesting that it might affect his fantasy value, I guess. Um, it's a guaranteed shot on target, which he's already their most attacking player. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to see if his value goes up or whether the threat of missing one now that he scored three in a row changes anything. <laughs> No, very true. I mean, I'm. I, I gotta say, I, I'm being quite happy that he's taken over the, those duties because he is in my draft team. But you're right. Um, eventually, he will miss. So it will be interesting to see if they can, can continue getting some penalties over the next few game weeks. So, um, and and Mick, that does lead me to your multi from last week as well. Um, are you a rich man again, or did? Uh, did it unfortunately fall over in the final stages? Like it usually tends to, I must say. Well, we... Because the pods that up, we're, we're having a bit of trouble actually working out what it was. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure... I've Good got work giving them. away the secret, Mick. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> I had... Uh, if I get this correct, I had... It was a double game week, was it not? Um, and I had Aston yes. Villa versus Norwich. Um, I had a red card to come up in that game, which I don't think there was, other than Andy Robertson, I don't think there was a red card in the game. Um, and then the other one I had, or the other part to that multi, if I can just bring it up, was I think it was a nil-all draw. Oh. Um, now, I got hired half right. One of the teams got nil. So... <laughs> Really I, I take that as draws here. I got to take what I can get, um, and then because even one got, full leg that came actually right. Well, that's because you told me off having too many legs, so I kept it to two. Um, yeah, anyway. but it's, like, it's like half a leg that came off. Hey, if, if that you, you can get around with half a leg, I'll have I'll to just, take your word for that, Mick. Oh yeah, I'll refrain from making any other comment on that. Um, but you. to answer your question, no. No, uh, the multi did not come off, um, but we are a dollar richer because we didn't put on a second multi this week, so we're guaranteed to have a dollar in the account at the end of the season. Well, I was going to say it's probably a good chance the multi didn't come off, given our Christmas tree is currently being painted on Mick's wall, so that's probably a indication that he hasn't struck it rich this week. Yeah, I think you're right there. Is that is that fair enough, Mick? Oh, absolutely. We're actually we've got to drop some uh, paint, uh, some glitter in the gold paint for the star on top too. I think. Oh, fancy! I like that. Very nice. Well, uh, let's take it into the waiver wire, Gilby. Let's let's talk about the the moves that have been made over these last couple of. We've we've had a couple of game weeks since we we spoke last. So, what moves have been made? Yeah, we just quickly got into round seventeen last time. So, um, we. Got straight into we'll get straight into round eighteen yeah. this time. Now, obviously, because of COVID, there were lots of moves around, which will be 
maybe temporary, maybe a bit longer term, depending on player's form. So for the first one off the rank, Ben dropped Cresswell for King. Um, given Everton's defensive dramas, I wasn't too sure about that one, particularly if Cresswell can be really useful in set pieces for West Ham, and West Ham are about to have a really good run, provided we're all playing, of course. So I, I gave that one a minus for me. Um, Dave was next. He dropped Christensen for Dyer. Um, probably losing a bit of patience there with uh, Christensen being a possible or maybe not or that sort of stuff and going for Dyer, who does have some really good fixtures coming up and has looked very, very good for Spurs defence under Conte. I think since Conte's taken over, they've only conceded um, the two to Liverpool and one in another match. So I think they've only conceded three so far. So looking pretty solid there. Mick was next, dropping Kufal for Ashley Young. So, we're thinking Ashley Young potentially more attacking there for you, Mick? Kufal also had a red card from the previous match. So, I figured he wasn't playing. So, with the game, I think when we recorded, um, or when that came out, sorry, we already knew of a few games that had been postponed. And I was just trying to get as many playing players as possible. Um, Ashley Young had actually started the last three games as a left winger for Villa. Now, I did that on the assumption that he'd only been playing 59 to 60 minutes, so it was a risk, but I thought any defender that is playing as an out-and-out winger is worth the risk. If you do go down a little bit further, he got ruled out, and I dropped him before the round started, so you'll get to that in a second. Um, Unfortunately, when I put the trade through, there was no risk of, or no, I guess, rumour of him not being there, Um, so yeah, I put that one through, but yeah, like I said, Kufal was out, had to drop him. Needed as many points as possible. And yeah, we'll talk about what ended up happening later anyway. Yeah, I'm with you there. So Jeff was next. He also tried for Dyer. Um, he settled for dropping Wambasaka for Jensen, the um, main threat from set pieces for Brentford. So given the um, ongoing, maybe a little bit of a questionable selection there right back from Manchester United, whether it'll be him or Dallow, um, I did like that move. I thought that was pretty good. Um, I was next. I dropped Tyrant Mitchell for Taylor. Um, a one-week move for me, given Palace had their match called off. And I thought, hopefully, Burnley will play and be solid in defence. Maybe a threat for set pieces. Didn't quite work out. We'll get to that a bit later. Um, Nate was next. He made the move of the round and dropped Harvey Barnes for Gabriel Martinelli, who then proceeded to come in and score a double. So... Maybe getting some of that Isaac trade magic. Um, Isaac was next. Rubbing off on him. Oh, please don't talk about rubbing off on other people who play as Isaac. I think that's illegal. You choose what you want to hear. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Isaac was next. You dropped Masuaku for Remain Sace, um, Mm. who then proceeded to come in and give you a shutout. Um, Again, just a quick temporary move for you. Um. Potentially, I haven't looked too... Yes, I would say so. I haven't looked too far ahead of what Wolves' fixtures are, but um, I just knew that I didn't want West Ham. They haven't looked that great recently. So I thought... And and if Creswell comes back in, he's the one that's going to be replaced. So I figured, hey, let's bring somebody else in. And I was presently pleasantly surprised with the results. I wasn't expecting a shutout versus Chelsea. So that was good. Yeah, no, uh, Wolves' defence have looked quite solid and they do have some pretty good fixtures coming up, so that may end up working okay. out well for you, Isaac. I was I was pretty happy with that. I thought it was about 50-50, but I was prepared to give you that benefit of the doubt there, given Sace looks far more reliable than Masaaku for ongoing minutes. 
Um, ben was next. He dropped Goita for Pickford. Um, I'm guessing just a temporary drop uh, for Crystal Palace's cancellation uh, for bringing in the mm. only other starting keeper at the moment. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Dave also tried for Dyer, but settled for dropping Livramento for Stones, um, hoping that he'd end up on the right end of Guardiola's rotation. Um, that's always a 50-50 chance, and I, I really do like Livramento, so I didn't really like that move, but I can understand why he's done it, given how good City have looked, and if he happens to nail it, if they pick up an injury or two, then Stones could be big, but I didn't like the risk with dropping Livramento there. Um, also COVID obviously as well, Southampton not playing that contributed yeah. to it as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy, happy with that one as well. Um, but Dave was also the only other manager to try for Martinelli, but it was a bit too late because Martinelli was down the bottom of his list. So Nate had already picked him up. Um, what yeah. do you think, Mick? I'll, I'll just say quickly, and I know Isaac sent a message to our group chat about this Martinelli as well. I looked at him. Um, I know he's a left-sided player and I know that's the side Smith Rowe's been on. I realized Martinelli had started or come on for decent minutes two or three weeks ago, started the last game. Um, and I read that he was carrying a bit of a knock, and I'm pretty sure Arteta spoke about him in the game. So I went, well, he started the last game. Smith Rowe was benched. Um, quite, I don't know if he came off the bench or he maybe didn't even make an appearance. And I thought, well, if he's carrying a knock, Smith Rowe's guaranteed to start. Martinelli's no chance. And I thought, you know what? I'll hold another week, and then we'll come in then. Apparently, everything that was said in that was wrong. <laughs> Smith Rowe didn't start again, which I was kind of surprised at. Um, yeah. And Martinelli started instead and obviously looks good. Don't get me wrong, but I just didn't expect him to get the minutes he did. So, fair enough. I mean, that's that's the way you get – you don't get lucky. You take your luck. So, Nathan did well to get on that a little bit earlier and he's benefiting from it already. I just thought that one of Ben or Dan or, or – um even Dave might have just gone in and grabbed him because he had been doing so well. So I was just really surprised that it took until Nathan. Like, he's been on my radar for a few weeks as well. Um, but I just figured I won't even get a shot at him, so I didn't even bother putting him in my my waiver. So I was just really shocked that it, it went that deep with, with the seventh pick being able to pick him up. So, yeah, it's just an interesting observation. Yeah, I, I didn't rate him that highly. I figured he was... Um very much vulnerable to rotation. I thought Smith Rowe would still clearly be first choice there. But yeah, I mean, he's started the last five games in a row now and has um, looked very, very good and a double against Leeds. But Leeds are pretty weak defensively, which we already kind of mentioned. So it'll be interesting one to see how that hmm. um, pans out in the next few weeks, whether Nate ha- is happy to hold him or whether or not he's going to look to trade him out. So then the free agent trade started again with the COVID dramas. This was pretty full on. So Mick, <laughs> you dropped Young for Markal, um, bringing in your Wolves man from earlier this season. Um, just a COVID one there. Well, yeah, I picked up Young that week. Sorry, he was ruled out or unlikely to start because of a knock. Um, had to get rid of him. It was a really tough one because I think by this time it was pretty much guaranteed there was only going to be uh, six games or five games. Um, it ended up being four in the end, but I think at that stage, only five had been officially ruled out because I think it was Burnley Villa that was a very, very last minute um, mm. withdrawal. Yeah. Really unfortunate thing is as I my two initial trades were to bring in Tarkovsky and Young, two defenders who didn't end up playing. Um, I was really touch and go. I, I, I thought, obviously, Sias had just been picked up. Ideally, that's who I would have liked. He's the best going forward from the defenders in set-piece duties, I think, um, for Wolves. But... Wolves, and I dropped Jose Sar and Saez a couple of weeks ago. Wolves' fixtures are just awful. They're hard. 
really, really hard. Um, and I just, it was a touch and go. And I, I said, well, you know what? It's worth the risk if I end up taking a negative one because they concede four goals. So be it. Um, as it turns out, it got me, he got me almost a third of my points. So it's, it worked. Um, very lucky, but I just had to try and get as many playing players as I could. Um, and I still think I only ended up with about six. I could be wrong, but about six players. So it's a tough one. Um, hopefully he can do something for me, but I don't know how long term it'll be. I'll definitely keep for, I think it was Watford we said um, they've got next. But I think Arsenal menu after that, depending on what's out there defensive wise or who else I have and how COVID's going, um, whether I keep him or not, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, well, as you mentioned before, like the other trade I was just about to mention was dropping Kukurella for Tarkowski. Um, again, a COVID-related one as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd like Kukurella. Um, I think Brighton's fixtures weren't that bad. That's why I brought him in. I thought he was a pretty... He's more nailed on than Lempty is at the other side. Um, but then after that, when they their game got ruled out pretty early, I said, well, I need defenders. Um, I had... Uh, Ronaldo up front who guaranteed wasn't to play and I think I had at least one pretty much I think I had a full bench that I didn't want to drop isn't like you can't drop Ronaldo if he's not playing one game so I knew I had to cop that and I said well Cucurella yes he might be one of the best of defenders available particularly with the fixtures they had but I think I'm better off getting points now and not getting him back than I am the other way around as it turned out I got neither but so be it Fair enough. So Jeff um, then proceeded to immediately drop <laughs> Jansen to bring in his uh, hero at this point and probably a meme for this uh, season, Chalaba. Um, I don't know how many times this is up to now. I think it'd be approaching double figures. Um, I'd love someone to go back and count how many times that's been done. As far as I know, it doesn't actually keep transaction history in our league, which would be kind of a cool feature for them to have at some it point. It does there. indeed, but not for individuals. But I'll find uh, it out. You keep okay. talking, I'll bring it back to you. Okay, cool. So um, Chalaver again, didn't quite work out as well for him because he seems to have picked up another injury now. Um, but you never know. He'll probably appear in Jeff's team again in a couple of weeks. Um, Dan was next with two moves at first. He then came back in a bit later. We'll get to that in a second. He dropped Fred for Ramsey and then dropped King for Jolinton. Um, the first one dropping Fred, I was pretty happy with. I thought, yeah, 50-50, Ramsey, yeah. I mean, Fred isn't really going to score you too many points. Ramsey hasn't been great, but potentially okay. So that one was an interesting one. Um, I wasn't a big fan of dropping King for Jolinton. Um, I thought King would be um, a much more reliable point scorer than Jolinton. Um, I think that's been borne out in the last few years with asking any Newcastle supporter about Jolinton and looking at his stats. Um, but he did score a couple of goals last uh, couple of weeks ago, I think it was, a couple of rounds ago. So I don't know, maybe he turns mm. things around, but I think King is the better player there out of that one. Uh, Mick has just got his hands Six up times. Here. Six times Chalobah has been brought in um, yep. successfully anyway. I think Jeff is responsible for three. So he brought him in in round 18, which obviously we're talking about now. Yeah. Um, Jeff brought him in in round five as a free agent. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Jeff brought him in in round 13. Dan did... Uh, so, where was it? No, Nathan had him at one point. Where is the last one? Um it's skipping a few. Isaac, no, you've tried a couple of times. Dan got him in round eight. There we go. And 
Jeff got him once more at the start in round two. So I think Jeff's had him four times, um, and Dan's had him twice, I think that was. So Jeff's doing pretty well. Four and 18 I'll, rounds is impressive. Yeah. I'll be very surprised if he doesn't hit double figures. Yeah, I'd say so. Season. Unless he gets a big, long injury. But even then, we, we'll make it happen. <laughs> All right. So then we had uh, Dan again, um, who dropped Gwehi for Tavares. Um, I'm assuming just because of the cancellation of the fixture. Because mm. I think um, Mick had Tavares at one point, and he does look very vulnerable to... Um, lacking minutes and rotation there. And Gwehi has been pretty good for you on set pieces, hasn't he, Isaac? Yeah, he scored a couple of goals set pieces. And um, yeah, he's going to play every game. So Yeah, yeah, yep. So I was like, I wasn't sure about some of Dan's moves this time, but he made a couple more a bit later on. Um, Dave dropped Fabinho for Dukure. Um, and then I think about five minutes later, immediately dropped Dukure again for Douglas Ruiz. So I'm not sure if that was a tr- strategic move blocking everyone else from getting Dakure for the week, but um, went for Douglas Louise, um, who's a box-to-box from Villa. Um, I, I personally would have really liked him to keep Dakure. I think he's um, a much more valuable asset there, mm. but maybe he saw something well, there with Louise. That, that and the uh, fact that um, Douglas Louise then didn't play and Dakure did. Yeah, so, yeah, you know. yeah. That, that's always Unlucky. a bit of a painful one, but yeah. that was a that was a tough one there. Um, and Dan, with two more moves, dropped Harry Maguire for Sanchez. Um, given Manchester United's fixtures coming up, I'm not sure how correct that one was. Um, I don't know about that one. We'll see how that goes in the next few weeks. Probably 50-50 at this point. Um, and then last one, Dan dropped Rodrigo for Kovacic. Um, hopefully coming back in for Chelsea, at least for Dan's benefit. He's a Chelsea supporter as well. Um I mean, if that turns out and Kovacic does get his box-to-box role back and Chelsea improve, that'll be obviously a really good move because Rodrigo is obviously uh, City's holding midfielder and is very, very rarely going to score you anything more than appearance points. So I was pretty happy with that one. What do you think, Um, Mick? I think the big... And I've spoken to Dan a bit about that. Um, He told me straight after it happened. I think the big thing is the centre midfielders for Chelsea and the injuries they're going through. Loftus-Cheek was ruled out, Jorginho was ruled out, Kante was ruled out, Sal's playing as the makeshift left-wing back rotation for Alonso. If Kovacic is fit, I think he starts. Um, So I think at this stage, if Loftus-Cheek's out, if Kante is out, then I think it's a Kovacic and Jorginho in the midfield. I thought thought Kante was back. Yeah, Kante Kante came back. He might be now, but he has recently been injured. So I think it's one of those that if they're all coming back from injury at the same time, they'll share minutes. Um, and I think out of those three, Kovacic is the most attacking. Jorginho and Kante aren't. So if they're going to play one, I would say they're more likely to play one of those two. Um, playing them both together, I guess, gives you a lot more solidity, but then you've almost got to play that holding striker, um, false nine almost, to be the link to the forwards because we know how high their wingers play. And if they go that high and the, the striker, like a Lukaku, doesn't come back, well, where's the link between the two? So I guess that that is interesting. Um, and I think Kovacic, we say he's a holding midfielder or more of a box-to-box, but he produced some decent returns early in the season. Yeah, I think if Kante plays, uh, Kovacic is um, a far more valuable asset because Kante is probably the best defensive midfielder in the world uh, when he's fit. So I think with him next to you, um, it's the same deal like when uh, France play, Pogba all of a sudden becomes a world beater because he's got Kante next to him who can do all his work. So Kante makes any other midfielder in the world look much, much better. So if that holds, if that is the starting axis for Chelsea, Kovacic, Kante, um, or maybe Jorginho in 
there as well. Um, that could uh, end up being a really good move for Dan. So that was the end of the moves for this week. Some interesting ones. It's going to continue being pretty full on for this next couple of weeks between with Christmas happening for everybody and with all the COVID dramas. Um, it could be some interesting late night moves going on. It'll be incredibly interesting to see what happens with this next game week. That's It starts on Boxing Day. Does that sound about right? Um, whether the games will all be played. Like, who who knows at this point in time? And and at the end of the day, I just, you know, you, you just want everyone to be um, safe over that Christmas period. So, you know, if, if they've got to reduce the games, they reduce the games. If uh, But, you know. Well, it's going to be interesting as well because I uh, just noticed the... Round 19 coming up finishes Tuesday morning around about 8 a.m. our time. And then round 20 starts Tuesday night. So whoever's on on that Tuesday, I don't know how they're going to actually manage transactions in the fantasy draft game, but I'd imagine it'll just be free for all for 18 hours or so. <laughs> I would assume it's uh, the waivers go through 24 hours before it starts. Um, and I think your team is set from the previous. So if you've got someone playing that morning, you could in theory have no longer have them, but get the points they get that next morning, which is what effectively has to happen each week for our, if we make a manager to manager trade. So it is an interesting one that you've got to, you could potentially drop someone you really want. And then one of your other, say you drop a, a Alonzo and then your other defender, Luke Shaw gets injured. Well, you can't get Alonzo back anymore. Um, it's going to be a really unfortunate one, but I guess that is what it is, and that's the risk. There's going to be some very, very interesting uh, scores by lots of us, I think, over these next few game weeks, as there was this this particular game week as well, um, just with all the uncertainty of what's going on. And it is that time where we need to have a look at the league ladder. We need to um, look at some teams and see how they're progressing. So um, no movement at the top at this point in time. So. Uh, I'm, uh, I am still on top, which is fantastic moving into this very, very busy game week periods. Um, so having a look at my team this week, I've got a grand total of 60 points. 60 points. Now, there was only four games, and the question was put to us, I think, by Jeff, who said, how on earth do you get 60 points when there was only four games? So... Let's go through and, and talk about how that actually happens. So if we have a look, Mendy, six points. Rudiger, five points. Diaz, 12. So he got a, a goal. I think the first goal in the in the drubbing. Um, Robertson, nine points, which could have been even better without the red card uh, and the goals conceded. But he still managed to bag two bonus points, which is pretty impressive with, with a red card as well. Um, Mings didn't play. He was scheduled to but that game got cancelled very late. Uh, Saez got seven points. Um, And then we move to the midfield. Mares 12 points. Rafinha, seven points. Mane, two points. Um, McGinn, again, zero points. Their fixture was postponed. And Watkins, zero points. So if the game, Aston Villa game, wasn't um, postponed, I would have had a, a full 11. Well, depending on if they... The three did play, but potentially could have had full 11 play. But as it was, uh, missed out on three. But 60 points, I was not expecting 60 points. And it's really my mid, um, my defense that were able to, to get me that. So, um, yeah, really, really pleased with that overall. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't hear about that game being postponed at all until 
I couldn't make any more trades. I don't know if I would have. It, Maybe it I happened about 90 minutes before the game was meant to start, I'm mm. pretty sure. So it, it was very short, which I could be wrong, but I think that was meant to be the first game of the round. Yes. The waiver wire, or the, it may have already been set. Closed. You may have had locked yeah. in. So I don't know what FPL did. Unfortunately, that's middle of the night here. So yeah. I think we all would have been out to it. It was what it was. We were set yeah. anyway. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm, I might have done maybe one trade or something for the maybe McGinn going out and somebody coming in and midfield wise, but even then, I may not have. I might have just kept it as, as it was. So I'm not sure what I would have done in that situation had I known and had time to react. Um, but yeah, 60 points in a, in a game week like that, I was really, really uh, happy with, obviously, and um, was able to maintain that lead to second. Um, I was hoping, I was thinking I would have actually, you know, uh, extended that lead, but Nathan came in with 61 points. So he actually won the round with but one point more. Um having a look at his team really, really quickly, if we will, we've got Edison with six points, then uh, Laporte with six points, Cancelo with 18 points. He had a cracker of a game. He has been an absolute massive pickup for, for Nathan. Um, moving on from there, there wasn't too much with his other backs, just a couple from Gabriel and Matip and Regulon. Um, Smith Rowe came off the bench again for six points. Martinelli, 15 points. Uh, De Bruyne, three points. And then two points from Jimenez. Um, he did have Richarlison, who got zero points. So he had one player who didn't play, uh, who didn't pick up some points, but the rest of his team did. So he was able to you know, uh, get his 61 points that way. But it was definitely Martinelli and Cancelo that were able to, to bring in the points for him. Just two things on Nathan's team. Now, we'll get into it, but Cancelo alone in our league would have placed sixth this week. Wow. So you only, yeah, or maybe it was tied sixth or seventh, but by, it's by one point as well. So very, very close to being, he alone helped Nathan out. But the big thing I wanted to say is really fortunate because there's only four games, eight teams, 20 in total, 12 didn't play. Nathan had a quarter of the playing goalkeepers this weekend. Wow. Now it's really hard when there's seven others and there's only six other goalkeepers. Um, and I dare say a few of them might have been um, unpicked up players that I guess are sitting in our waiver wire. So really fortunate one that he still had a choice of goalkeepers. Um, unlike some of the others where you're either forced into it or just had no option as it turned out for myself. Cause I had one of the last minute postponements, but that's, that was a bit of a help one. I don't think it mattered. I think it was, no, he, he did have Edison. So he would have got, um, I think the clean sheet instead of, I think yeah. Ramsdale might be his other one, which was that's two right. points. So yeah. bit bit lucky there, but I guess you can't really prepare for it. It's just, I guess, fortunate that even though he still had players that weren't playing, um, just produced for those guys that did just, yeah, worked well. Yeah. I mean, what are we thinking about Nathan's team overall? At the end of the day, he's done this consistently for the last few weeks um, where he has been gaining. Now, uh, there wasn't necessarily a big gain this week, but still he hasn't lost ground um, on, on the lead. So what do we think about Nathan's position currently? Like up into second, he's doing really well. Um you know, do we think this is something that's going to last? He's been a lot more active in waivers and things like that. He's trying to make sure he's picking up points. Uh, he's certainly been doing a good job of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, just having a look at his team, if I look at the guys in my team that I would 100% take and add to my team happily if I could, I would say there's one, two, three, four, five, 
six, probably seven or even eight, um, eight or nine players. So I'd say 60% of his team, I would want ha- happily put into my team. I don't necessarily like those other five or six players, um, but I guess that's where your rotation and those transfers comes in. If you yeah. can rotate those well and balance them well, then it works. Um, I mean, just for the sake of it, I'll go through is his goalkeepers, Man City and Ram- Ramsdale and Edison. That's a pretty good rotation. Now, I don't know how the fixtures match up, but a City goalkeeper is always a clean sheet chance. So I don't think there's anything wrong mm. with that. It doesn't really matter who your other goalkeeper is. Um, you pretty much sit Edison in there unless there's a, a good mat fitch- fixture for Ramsdale. Um, Cancelo, obviously great. Regulon, I think a great player um, in terms of in that system. I think there's a little bit of obviously rumor about his injury and what might be happening. But like we said last week, he put that to bed himself when he said, don't drop me. Um, Laporte as well, I think another great one. So three of his backs, Gabriel and Matip, both good. But I think that's a rotation one where, look, you get a good Burnley defender against Norwich and you might prefer that option. Um, So those two are still good. De Bruyne, obviously, I love. Smithrow and Martinelli, they're basically vying for the same position. The fact that he had both of them and they combined for 21 points, how many times this season is that going to happen? More often than not, you play both of them, one of them is going to get one point. Yeah. And the other the other one might go big, but the fact that you got attacking returns from both, I think that might be the quite possibly the only time this season that happens. I mean, we talk a lot about handcuffing left backs, but generally not uh, you know, yeah. left midfield. <laughs> I mean, it means he's guaranteed a starting left mid, isn't he? Um, and it's, if it's against a team that doesn't defend well, like Leeds, it's going to work. So yep. maybe that's what he thought. Let's give him the credit and said he, that's what he did. Um, De Bruyne, obviously, but Smithrow Martinelli, yeah, maybe. Gallagher looks like a great mm. fantasy asset. He does. Tielemans, when he's fit, he's he makes Leicester work. I'm still a little on the fence, but he's proven. Um, would I take him in my team? Yeah. Would I think he's a top three mid in my team? Probably not but I would still take him as that fourth or fifth rotation. And his forwards, Jimenez, I'd happily have. Richarlison, he's very hot and cold. I'm not sure about Everton. Morpé, look, he's a great third option, but he's, I'm not going to go um, asking for him. But he's he's got a solid foundation to that team. There's so eight or nine players that you can see why he's getting the points he is. Gilby, should I be worried? Well, I mean, I we talked about it a bit last podcast where this has been a year for defenders um, more than any other year, yeah. really. And Nate's picked the second best one win Cancelo. And in the overall points, he is third overall. So when you've got two defenders inside the top three overall points, then you know it's going to be a really good year for defense. And I mean, I prioritize strikers. And for strikers, we've got to go 13th uh, with... Uh, Dennis and 19th for Vardy so I mean he's picked a really good year to go hard on defense and I know a lot of people in the real field game are talking about going big at the back has been the cool thing lately the other thing I mean we all talk about like who's going to be Van Dyke's partner at Liverpool and we weren't sure if it would be Matip or Gomez and Canade was coming in so that was always a risk Nate picked Matip at the start of the season and it's worked out for him it looks like Matip's the starting defender because he's played all but one, two, three matches started. Four matches, sorry. So, I mean, it's looked really good for him. He's got a great defense. He's got um, one super elite midfielder, and he can just rotate around there. So he's got a really good base. So it's going to be he's going to be hard to stop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I look at his team, and I'm straight away 
picking out the teams he has that makes up his team. His entire back line, City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham. He's starting midfield for this week, Arsenal and Man City. He's goalkeepers, Arsenal and Man City. Is there something in picking big teams for defenders and mids and then going for small team starting strikers? I say small team, no offense to Everton and Wolves because they're pretty good (laughs) starting strikers. But obviously, you know what I mean? Now, this is something that Jeff built his title wins on a couple of years ago when he won our league. Is that the way to go? Maybe we, we've spoken about midfielders are always the premium. That's that's generally where you score. Defenders this year are. Maybe it's a get your big teams for those two. You're guaranteed to get points. If you know they're going to start 50 to 80% of matches and you're willing to hold them there, they're going to score points eventually. You're going to get 100, 120 points. Mm. In this, the way we're playing this system, points are a premium. If you can get them, you take them. I think that... Um... When it comes to strikers, because the pool is so small, you do have to look at those other teams that are, you know, lesser to the big four or big six or, you know, whatever you want to call them um, in order to actually make sure you're getting people who are starting. And so, yeah, maybe it's a good strategy just, you know, from looking at those other teams to get your striking options, you know, they're going to play. They may not haul every week, but you know they're going to play. And you know, doing a Jeff and making sure that you're for defence and midfield, getting those big team players to you know get the bulk of your points. And then if you strike it lucky with a with a striker who's actually starting to do well, even better. Like that's what I had last year. I had Watkins, Antonio, and Bamford. And so I just got lucky, right? I just got incredibly lucky that all three of them did quite well throughout the majority of the season. And that was a big, and Ian Archo as well, in that 12 sort of week period at the end, I just got extremely lucky. So that can definitely be uh, of benefit if you can get the right players around those players. So you're saying my strategy of having Ronaldo, Jesus and Firmino from the top three teams, or three of the top teams, isn't a good strategy? I mean, my fifth place might suggest it's not. Well, maybe not, but at the end of the day, I think that I think that it's about balancing the squad somehow. So, like, if you go big at the top, well, you still have to balance your other parts of your squad, but you just have to be lucky or get lucky in that, um, you know, this year is the year for strikers. Like, Gilby's already touched on it. It's, it's not. And so, you know, that's been a struggle for him. And so, if you are going to go big in one area... You have to be lucky and you've got to balance well. And if you haven't done that, then you need to get creative with some transfers. That's really what it boils down to. So I think uh, Nathan's, you know, hit the jackpot there at at this point in time. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens in the second half of the season. Of course, there's going to be some more transfers coming in as well, which will be exciting. And hopefully there might be some new players that we can start to um, have in our thoughts of trades uh, with Newcastle, you know, putting putting their cash out. It'll be interesting to see who they bring in. Um, and, you know, that might lead to a few other names being bandied about in the wave wire coming up. Um, I suppose if we move on. So that was the first two. Nate, uh, myself on 60 points, Nathan on 61 points. Uh, we're about 40 points in between us on the league ladder. Um, and, and we sort of got a bit of a gap on the rest of the field because uh, after that, the highest points were sort of mid-30s. Um, Jeff, 32 points in third place, rising up to third place with 32 points. Um, having a look at his team really, really 
quickly. Uh, again, he was able to get his most of his points from Alonso with nine, Cody with seven, um, Sterling with eight, who you know was able to nab one of those goals against Leeds. Um, otherwise, there was only a couple of one, two, three, four twos, and he unfortunately didn't get too much luck with Havertz, Werner, Jorginho, and Chalabar all scoring zero for Chelsea. Um, so, you know, he was probably expecting a lot more out of his Chelsea players and got a grand total of nine points for the one, two, three, four, five that he had. So we've spoken about going for big teams. He went for big teams, but didn't get big points this week. I mean, he only got 135 minutes across those five players. Three of them didn't play in a yeah. team that did play. Um, and when one of them got 45 minutes and a yellow card, that's going to be a problem. So, I mean... Uh, it's about that luck, isn't it? Just did not have that luck this week. Whereas Nathan, myself, we did get the luck in terms of our players playing and 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 scoring big. Um, I was thinking about the other day, even just in a normal round, even if you have two guys that get into double digits, get bonus points, like that's getting you around thirty points. So if you can manage to get hit those two players with you know some some good double digit hauls. You're up to 30 points just out of those two players, and hopefully you should be able to scrimp your way up into around the 50-point mark sort of bracket. And that's not a bad thing for the draft game. So that's really, I guess, the goal. You're trying to find those two players that can can get you a good haul for the week, and then that should hopefully uh, help the rest of your team. So for Jeff, you know, again, we've spoken about Jeff at, at length as well. Has a pretty good team going, was... Uh, moving pretty well up the ranks and he has moved into third spot this week after being fourth last week. And I guess Gilby, that then leads us to you. You're the one he's overtaken. Um, you know, was it just a case of your squad, you, you not having all of your players play or sort of what did it boil down to this week for you, Gilby? Tanking for draft picks. <laughs> oh, good. I wish it were that simple. Um, He's after Martial from Newcastle. uh, The slump continues, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I had five players play, um, and two of those contributed more than appearance points. Um, Yeah, just really rough one. Uh, Jota finally got on the board after missing, I don't know how many chances the last few weeks. Um, He actually did score one goal, but only a seven. As Piliqueta actually played for Chelsea, which is... Been a dodgy one for most of the season ever since um, he went big in round seven and then missed. Whoa, I played round eight, sorry, then missed one, two, three, four, five matches in a row where Tuchel didn't like him. So whether or not that's going to continue, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, um, I had one, two, three, four Villa or Burnley players. So that hurt. Um, carried Antonio and my Manchester United players. Still carrying Calvert-Lewin probably until next March. So that's an ongoing drama there. Um, yeah, it's just not been my, was it, into a month and a half now. You must have a pretty sore back carrying carrying all of those guys this week. That, that mustn't be fun. Yeah, I mean, I still notice on Calvert-Lewin, it's still got the red pizza and says expected back Boxing Day. So uh, that will invariably be updated next week and it will say expected back March. So or unknown date, so we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, in the end, with three um, 
elite Manchester United midfielders, well, should be elite, I should say, on lead on paper. Um, I need Manchester United to go well in this next month. If that happens, I'll be back in business. If that doesn't happen and my strikers keep misfiring, if Antonio still blanks and Calvert-Lewin's still out, then I'll be fighting it out down the bottom. If it goes the other way and the luck turns a bit, then I'll be back in business. So yeah. obviously I'm hoping for that. But yeah, I'm looking for some probably some more trades in defense. Probably going to ship out Lucas Moura again, uh, considering he only played a couple minutes for uh, Conte. Looks like he might be going with the tour up front again. So we'll see how that goes. I was just going to say as well, Gilby, like Jeff's eight points in front now. You would have had a lot more people play if that Villa Burnley game wasn't postponed. You're pretty confident you would have made up those eight points and still been in third place if that hadn't happened? Yes, um, I am. I think I would have. But in the end, I'm not really concerned about places. Um, I'm concerned just about the overall points. So like um, when I look at those fixtures that have been cancelled, I'm happy to carry my Manchester United midfielders. I still think Calvert-Lewin will be worth good overall points when he gets back on the park eventually. Um, I've just got to hope that when my strikers hit, they hit big enough that it makes up for all these blank game weeks and barren rounds. Mm-hmm. Everton have looked a little bit better in the last couple of weeks. Now, the that, that maybe makes Calvert-Lewin more appealing suddenly, so it could be good, but he's a very different striker to Richarlison. More similar to Rondon. I, I will give him that. The aerial threat up front works hard off the ball, but it'll be interesting but he to see. Has if, pace as well. That's true. Um, <laughs> but Rondon's a favourite of Benitez. He is. Very, very favourite. Um, we had him at West Brom. He got sent to uh, Newcastle where Benitez was. And then Benitez went to China. And then he brought Rondon to China. And then Benitez went to Everton. And then he brought him to Everton. So he's just kind of following him around. And I, I guess Rondon likes him as well. So it works well. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with Calvert-Lewin if he goes straight back in as the starting striker. I'm assuming that you can't play those two together. That, that is just the most defensive and single-minded, one-dimensional uh, football there could be. I think a Richarlison you well, have to play, or a, a Townsend in behind or something like that, something that offers something different. I feel like with Gilby's luck at the moment, um, it'll be Rondon playing over Calvert-Lewin. Um, well, I think um, Benitez came out the other week <laughs> and that he was asked about DCL, given he put back the date again. And he said, um, given the multiple injuries they've had, they've got to be extremely careful with him, which unfortunately I'm interpreting to mean that even on his return day, it'll be like 10 minutes off the bench and then it'll be 30 minutes. And then so it's going to be a while before I can ca- like count on the type of points that he started the season with. But... I mean, given we talked about how shallow the pool is um, for strikers and with the mid-season draft in mind, I I thought, okay, well, I'll still be able to keep him through that. I thought, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to wear it given that when he's in form, he's one of the few really elite strikers in the game. I'm just reading now. I just had a quick look to see what the last one was. Now, Calvert-Lewin did a little uh, video call appearance to a young Everton fan and in that, he actually says he's been back in training for a week and he hopes to make an appearance against Burnley, who they play this weekend. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is true, which it came straight from him, if that little uh, slice of pizza turns into a Dorito and maybe a 50 to 75% chance and maybe, hey, that's one more point you're going to get next week. 
Well, feel... it's an improvement on my strikers at the moment, one point, so I'll take that 10 minutes and one point off the bench. I feel a pizza party coming on from Gilby if he actually does manage to get on the pitch. I think you deserve to throw that for yourself, mate, if, uh, if he can get you those points. Yeah, no, I mean... Uh, I'll, I'll throw another one if Antonio scores again, so that'd be really good. <laughs> um, oh, what is going on there? He's he like he looked yeah. unstoppable at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that coincides with my team going the other way. So yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I think maybe even I could even just blame it on Ronaldo signing from Manchester United, given Bruno Fernandes <laughs> turned into a midfield draft pick rather than the elite draft pick I was hoping for. And I came extremely close to taking Salah with my first pick. So one of those sliding doors moments. Mm. Absolutely. Actually, thinking back to the, the trade offer that you, you put forward for Mick uh, when Cristiano did uh, come into the league and it was squad for squad, I'd actually be interested to see uh, the points Mick has scored since then compared to you and whether or not that would have actually helped. We have to do that at some point. I reckon I'm coming out ahead in that so far. Considering Ronaldo has 67 points. Now, I don't know if that was pre any games for Ronaldo. Was it that early? Was it round three or four? But I dare say in that time, Ronaldo may have outscored all three of Gilby's combined. Considering DCL hasn't played, that's zero. Antonio's, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one assist since round five or six. That's it. Uh, one goal in round nine. One goal, there you go. One. So other than that, there's <laughs> there's 16 games or something with two points in each at best. Um, so there's 32 plus one is 37. So unless he's other striker, which is... It was Aubameyang um, when the uh, trade was right. offered. Yep. So, okay. So there's... He, he might legitimately have 30 points though, um, but he hasn't played the last five games or so. So... Quite possibly, Ronaldo alone has outscored them. Especially when you consider, I think I had Watkins and Wood at the time. Um, the fact that Watkins has scored a plenty, Wood has scored as much as Antonio in that last 16 as well. So I am very glad I didn't take that, or I would be well and truly on the bottom of the table. Yeah, well, I just saw during the week, if anyone's still holding Aubameyang in the real game, um during the week, um, Arsenal had a cup fixture and Enketia was their starting striker and scored wow. a hat-trick. So it looks like Aubameyang's even further from the team again. Um, so I think the current uh, rumours I'm reading is that he'll be on a loan to buy uh, for six months in January. Um, I think that um, he, Arteta will be quite keen to see the back of him given all the issues that they've had so far. Absolutely. And then look, I think as well, at the end of the season, there's going to be lots of things to look back on. And so something like that, looking at what that trade would have actually done, just purely from the points that Mick picked up compared to the points that Gilby picked up, what actually would have been the outcome, that'll be interesting. And as well as, you know, lots of other trades, like who who, who was able to, uh, you know, make the best trade overall, who was able to, who had the best draft overall, looking back at the draft teams originally, just things like that. It's going to be really, really interesting to see. So, um, Look, that's a bit of a bit of a deep dive into how Gilby's going. So fourth place now, seventeen points this week, um, and then we go to fifth with Mick. So Mick, twenty-one points this week, um, marginally well, marginally better than Gilby. You, you've you've you know got your nose in front there, but it was obviously a bit of a disappointing one for you, given uh, games being called off late. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially when the majority of my weekly weight uh, transfers were around getting those players in to mm. play. Um, so you could argue that's put me back because if if I rank across the entire season that the players I dropped being better than the players I picked up, well, I've now allowed them to get picked up by someone else. So unfortunately that happens, but like I said, that is that is what it is. Um, doesn't help when Gundogan's on the bench and doesn't make an appearance um, as well, which he hurts. He's up that game too. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's, I guess, what it is. So my hope is that, well, he didn't play last game. He's guaranteed to start this game. Pepper lets back in. They do have Leicester, which isn't great. Um, but yeah, no Pope, no Tarkovsky, no Cash, no Buendia, no Gundogan. Emerson Royal got me zero while playing against Liverpool. Um, so that left me with five players. So I had Kieran Tierney, he got me two. Um, appearance fees, uh, appearance points, sorry. Firmino off the bench. I knew that was only probably going to be a point. I just hoped maybe he could score a goal. Um, it was against Tottenham, so I wasn't expecting much. The fact he got a point, you know what, that's probably a big point at the end of the day. Um, the other three, though, I, I guess are what got me to 21, which isn't good, but three people only didn't even get to 20. So comparatively to them, it's good. It's just not enough when the top two of the table both got 60. So Markel, who I brought in, got six. Um, Bakary Saka played 77 minutes, scored a goal, so seven. Um, and Jesus played the whole 90 and got an assist. So in a four-goal game, to not get a, a goal sucks, but did get an assist, which helps. Um, yeah, that's my 21 points there. So like I said before, though, is I had Ronaldo, I had Madison. Didn't really want to drop either of them. Um, for Nels, I touched, was touch and go, wasn't quite sure, just didn't really think there was anyone else worthwhile picking up that was playing that round. I think that's mm. the big thing for me to say. Um, there just wasn't any clear matchups where I said, okay, this guy, the one round I get from this guy is going to be worthwhile putting myself at the back of the queue to pick up the player I dropped. So kind of went in hoping that I said, okay, if I can get 10 players playing, I'll be happy. That If that game went ahead with Villa and Burnley, um, I would have had 11 eligible players. We've been really happy with that. Uh, Unfortunately, those four pulled out and then Gundogan didn't play, left me with six. When you get a zero elsewhere on the field, it kind of hurts when there's only five left. So, But 21 points, better than nothing. Just wasn't an 18-pointer for Cancelo. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, as we move down the ladder into sixth with Dan actually picking up a place, you know, if we if we have a look at comparison, twenty one points, he was able to get thirty five points, uh, and you know he obviously was doing a little bit of wheeling and dealing, some that Gilby wasn't too sure about, but Saab with six points, Tomiyasu six points, James with six points, uh, Odegaard who's done really well for him since coming in seven points, Lacazette five points as well, able to pick up one point with Kovacic, one with Sanchez, one with uh, Tavares and Semedo with a grand total of zero because he didn't play. Um, Joel Linton with two points as well. So, you know, he was able to pick up some some much-needed points there uh, and really, um, you know, get that little bit of a wriggle on that he's obviously looking for and, you know, has, has got his way up the table because of it, which I'm sure he's really, really pleased with. Um, and that obviously gets us looking at Dave dropping into seventh, 18 points for the round. So that was... Um, second last for this particular round um he's only five points behind dan but um 18 points is not what you want to have um considering he brought in someone like uh, douglas louise and he had ings as well who was hoping to uh you know get some uh get some some joy from 
but Alexander Arnold was and Son were the two that got him seven points. And other than that, it was just a couple of ones dotted here and there with uh, Walker not playing, which I'm sure he was a bit disappointed with, and Grealish not playing, which I'm sure he was disappointed with. I must say I'm pretty happy that I was able to get that Walker deal across the line with Robertson, but Robertson will be out next week. Walker will have an opportunity to play, hopefully. So things could turn around there. But um, 18 points. How, how do we reckon Dave's feeling about that 18 points, Gilby? Yeah, no, I mean, good and bad. I mean, it's always tough when half your team misses out. Um, so, I mean, Alexander Arnold's the second best player in fantasy overall. So building around him, the only dramas will be uh, Walker um, is apparently, according to rumours, got COVID. That hasn't been confirmed because they refused to name it. They just said illness. But uh, most of the rooms are saying he's got COVID, which will mean he may miss the next round as well. So it does look like oh, he might have okay. got the best for that deal there. Um, the other thing with Robertson, though, don't forget a red card in the Premier League is yes. three matches. Um, but one of those matches will be the cup. So he's going to miss two Premier League matches for you. Um, I think that may kick off a bit of a transaction war for a Liverpool left back, possibly, if anyone's paying attention there, that you might know who I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, Son has looked very, very good up front for Spurs. Um, the only other drama he may have to deal with is it does look like Grealish may have fallen foul of Guardiola. Uh, he and um, Foden were more or less dropped for disciplinary reasons by Guardiola. I uh, don't have his exact quote in front of me, but he didn't actually say those two players. <laughs> he just essentially said that he believes everyone should have a professional attitude even around Christmas time, and he picked the best team with the most professional players and more or less um, didn't name Foden and Grealish, but it was pretty clear that's who he was referring to. So given his penchant for ongoing rotation anyway, that's always going to be an interesting one. And Grealish and Foden do have a little bit of a reputation as maybe the party boys, essentially, and maybe not the most professional hard work in midfielders. So that's could be a, could be some drama there for Dave. Yeah, very true. I'm sure he's loving the fact that that's happened to Grealish when he was out for so long anyway, um, being his, his second choice in the draft um that's just what he needed at this point in time and again would have got really good points from him i'm sure if he was available and ready to play so well the only other cool stat i saw was taa has outscored salah for the seventh time in eight rounds so the last eight rounds taa has scored 74 points and salah's 58 so be interesting to know, could this be the season where a defender has the highest score in all of fantasy with both uh, with TA in second and Cancelo in third, obviously still a fair bit behind Salah, and you'd have to say Salah's pretty much a favourite at the moment to be the highest scoring player, but could be a year for the defenders. Yeah. Could well, we see a potential trade, Jeff, today with Salah and uh, TAA? Do you reckon it could well, happen? I was just <laughs> going to say that. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about how Jeff and what position he'd be in if Salah wasn't in the form he is. Well, TAA is in better form. Jeff, Jeff's still... I think what is sitting third at the moment. Dave isn't sitting third. <laughs> so did we not give Jeff's team enough credit back then? Or are we giving Dave's team too much credit? Is it worse than even we think right now? So according to the comparison of what we said last time is Salah was holding Jeff together. Well, TAA is playing better and he's not holding Dave together. So what's happening there? <laughs> 
that's a fairly fairly decent argument. Um, it'd be interesting. To, obviously, if Dave was here, I'm sure he would uh, have some rhetoric to talk about. You know, the fact that um, you know everything's going to plan. He's uh, he's he's ready to to climb up that table again. But you know, um, I think Dave would even. Well, I think maybe one of the main differences there will be Bernardo Silva for Jeff, um, mm. with uh, who's been very, very good. And then, of course, your old mate Sterling Mick, who has been quite good for him the last five or six weeks since you dropped him. Yeah, we, we spoke about it last week. Don't need to do that again. <laughs> Are you sure, Mick? You sure? Yeah, I am. Okay, cool. No worries. Well, I think... If I look at Dave as well, so he's had Grealish who was out for a period of time. Son has been well, was out for a little bit of time as well. Hasn't been uh, Tottenham haven't been very effective. So you look at those two players. He was obviously banking on quite heavily, um, not performing to their p- points potential. So that's had some impact considering uh, that hasn't happened for Jeff. So yeah, interesting to see how that plays out over the long term or whether Dave can claw his way back. Um, and then looking on, um, to Ben with 19 points, this particular round, um, he's, uh, in last place in the league, he was able to pick up some points with, uh, uh Thiago Silva, um, Mount got, uh, a clean sheet bonus, um, Kane with six points, uh, but that was really all there was to write home about. Um, I think that, you know, there was a bit of a hope that Loton would play. Uh, but realistically, he didn't. Uh, Henderson as well, uh, who didn't uh, pick up any points, didn't play. So he was obviously hoping for a little bit more there, but I think he was also um, probably banking on Foden a bit as well, who, again, just didn't play as we spoke about earlier. So that would have uh, scuppered his plans to get fur or closer to seventh place. Um, but I think it's it's interesting to point out with Kane with six points back on the uh, scorers list in this particular game week, is this where it turns around for Kane? Well, he did have six shots. It was against Liverpool, all inside the box. Um, five of them were within the, I guess, lateral, the side boundaries of the six yard. So very central inside the box against Liverpool. He had the highest expected goal um, for Tottenham with 1.35. So he actually underperformed by scoring one goal. Um, and I dare say, compared to the rest of his stats, that's a massive performance for that. So I was going to say, I'm like, I've had a couple of um, early crows or big calls, you might say, so far in this pod. And some of them are long-term ones that we'll have to come back to in, in years' time. Um, I'm referring, obviously, to the Celtic and Antipostokoglu and future there. But mm. I'm going to put it out now. We'll come back to this end of the season. And I don't know the alternative, but I think Kane has turned a corner. He will continue to score. And Ben will not come last this year. Now, I've thought about that since the start of the pod. I don't know who will. And I'm not willing to say who will because I I honestly don't know. But I think Kane will carry... I think Ben's now held him long enough. The chance to get rid of Kane's gone. There's no way he's going to get rid of him now after that performance. He's going to be willing to hold. And with Conte now there for longer, I don't think they're... They're they're only going to get better. Um, They're starting to play in the style they know. I think... He's going to score really well for Ben for the rest of the season. Ben will hold him for the rest of the season. And I think he will not come last. I don't know who will, though. and I just hope it's not me. Well, that leads us into our brand new segment. Um, I think that 
it was so well received last week, considering no one's actually listened to it, that we were going to bring it around again. Uh, and 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 this is the segment affectionately known as "That's a bold strategy, Cotton." So uh, let's let's dig into that a little bit further. So let's just remind people how Kane's going this this particular season. Um, and this could be this question when I get to it could be for any big player, uh, but we currently have a number one draft pick who has scored a grand total of 39 points. He's scored two goals in the season. Um, Mick suggested may have turned a corner uh, just now versus Liverpool, having scored one goal. So the question is, if you've got that big player, your first-round draft pick, who just hasn't performed so far, is it worth trying to cash in at this point in time? Or is it about, like Mick says, holding... And, and hoping that the corner is turned. What is the strategy for your first-round draft pick who isn't performing? So, Mick, we've sort of heard from you, but was there anything more to add? Like, this could be for any any first-round draft pick. It doesn't matter if it's a forward midfielder. Just not performing, what's the strategy? Do you try and cash in the chips and actually get something more to help boost your squad if you're relying on them a great deal, or what do we do? Obviously... You hold them while they're doing not very well. You give them to Jeff, they turn a corner and they play really well. That's what you do with first-round oh, draft picks. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, yeah, you give them to someone else and let them do really well for them. Uh, that, that That's what you do. But like I said, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Ben's held one week long enough to allow him to see the light and not give in to peer pressure and actually trade him off. Um, but... Tottenham haven't... I know, I'm assuming Kes Kane played every game, maybe except for one. Except for one, I think, at the beginning of the season. The very, very first one, yeah. So yeah. he's scored two goals, but I assume he's the penalty taker for Tottenham, and they have not received a single penalty yet. Ooh, so they don't. Oh, well, I don't know the stats, but I would assume every team... I don't think a team has ever gone an entire season without receiving a penalty. I, I don't know. I could be very wrong. I just I find that pretty hard to believe. Hmm. They don't necessarily need to score it, but they would receive one. He's a pretty good penalty taker. I dare say he's their penalty taker. So chances are he's going to score at least one or two more if by no other reason. But he has started to look a lot better. To do it against Liverpool means I think the team's starting to buy into the way Conte wants to play. It wasn't just that they drew with Liverpool, but the expected goals, they beat Liverpool. They had better chances. Um, The style may not necessarily suit Kane, but I think Kane's a good enough player to work around it. I think he's going to become better. Um, what I am interested to hear, though, and I don't know if Gilby's got it ready, but we've spoken about the shot charts and how deep he's been playing, but I don't know if Gilby has it for just that last game, but I'd be really intrigued to see if he was highest up the field or if Sun was high up the field or what, what all the statistics there are, because we know he's the stats dude. Well, the stats I do have, I was just about to type in the map. I haven't got the map in front of me, but I do have... He had six shots in the box, two big chances, and nine penalty box touches. So he was the most dangerous attacker for Spurs. Not sure about the average positioning. Um, But the other thing I was going to note with Spurs is that you may have seen there, they are out of the Europe Conference League because they were uh, removed because... 
they tried to reschedule their match with Ren, and um, the UEFA refused to allow that, and then sent them to the disciplinary committee, who then said, nope, we're not going to reschedule it, you can't do that, we're giving you a 3-0 loss, so, which means that they've now finished third, and the group are completely out of Europe. So Spurs have said they want to appeal that decision, um, but as it stands, the only matches that... Um, the Spurs boys are playing now is the Premier League and then obviously FA Cup and anything like that. But them not being forced to travel on a Thursday anymore to random places around Eastern Europe is probably a really good thing for their assets in Premier League. I I knew that was going on, but I didn't know a decision had actually been made on that. So is that because that the criteria UEFA had set regarding COVID, Tottenham didn't meet? They didn't say exactly in the report I read. Um, all it said is that um, their appeal has been dismissed and it's a 3-0 loss. Um, so they, I think it's a Dutch team that went through and ahead of them. I think yeah, it was Vitesse. Vitesse yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because they're third in the group now. Um, that's it. Uh, Conte's come out and I think Vincent Sanchez was the other one who publicly said that they disagree with the decision and that they're going to appeal. So... Whether or not that will happen or whether that will happen in time, I don't know. But as it stands, it's probably good for the Premier League. I I can only assume that the only way they could do that is if they just purely did not show up to the game. Surely they told UEFA and UEFA came out and said, okay, this match has been postponed. If UEFA said that, surely it's then on UEFA. It's not on Tottenham anymore. That's I, I think I remember talking about this a week or two ago and I just yeah. I don't understand how... UEFA can say, okay, we'll postpone it, and then later say, but we're not going to postpone it. You don't get to replay it. Surely if they immediately took that stance and said, if you don't play, it will be a 3-0 loss, Tottenham would have at least sent their under-23s to be like, you know what? If we get batted 8-0, it's no different because we're still... Everyone's going to know that this was the reason why. I, I just That to me makes no sense. I mean, UEFA making poor decisions, never seen that before, have we? <laughs> I was actually going to say I looked up your penalties and uh, so far this season, the Spurs have received one penalty according to the statistics I've got. Um, Yep. So uh, the other teams on one are Newcastle, City, uh, Manchester City, I should say, and Leicester. And the team that received the most penalties, any guesses, boys? How many? How many penalties is it? Five penalties. Five. Well, we know Leeds have three. Um, uh, I don't know. Four, okay. Well, Ronaldo's had at least two. Uh, Manchester United have got three. Oh, okay. Wow. So they're in fifth. City. It will equal. Oh, Jorginho's taken a lot now, right? Chelsea, Chelsea right. is top. They have received five penalties and scored five penalties. So, yep, so then Leeds in second, then a team, uh, lots of teams on three, a few teams on two. But yeah, then Leicester City, Spurs and Newcastle United all on one penalty each. Everyone has scored a penalty, except for Arsenal, who have received three penalties and missed three penalties. Thanks, Aubameyang, from my team. <laughs> Look, my, 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 my new segment's been hijacked a little bit. Let, let's bring this back. Just hold on. Let's just bring this back. Gilby, question for you. Uh, say your first round draft pick isn't working out for you. Is it scoring goals? What's the strategy? What are you going to do? You mean like Bruno, Bruno Fernandes is right now for me as well? Well, I mean, you could take that tact if you wish. 
But, if my first draft pick isn't working out, I think it's not a simple decision. You have to look at um, the position they're playing in, their team, their fixtures, um, all the factors that go into that decision. Um, for me, if I am in the situation with Kane, I'm holding all the way, um, no matter what, because I do think that when he hits, it's going to hit big. And that's what you need. Uh, it doesn't really matter when it happens. If he catches fire and scores 15 goals in the rest of the season here, Ben will certainly be nowhere near the bottom of the table. Um, so I think he's one of the few really elite strikers in the league. So I think when he does hit, it's going to be big. And I would definitely hold no matter what. Um, especially with someone that has played every single minute and doesn't have any issues with them like Aubameyang has had. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'd definitely hold. What's his points potential at the moment? So he's on 39 points. Um, what can he come home with? Can he, can, he get, can he reach 200 points this season, do we think? Not 200, no. Um, what are we at? We're at 18, slightly less than half now. Exactly less than half, so back so- to half. Say so, there's 20 games, he yeah. would score every second game. That that would be a probably, I would almost say, poor return. If he only ends up with 12 goals for the season, that's a poor return, right? You assume he plays every minute, so there's 40 points, plus 10 goals is another 40 points. That's 80. He puts him at about 120. Yep. I, I could see him getting to that. Um, if he scores goals, obviously there's a chance for bonuses in there. There's assists as well. If Kane gets 150, Ben doesn't finish bottom. That, that's probably where I'll go. So I think he's got to score about 12 goals and say get five okay. assists. So if he that was would be, to... that would be minimum. And I think 150 points at the end of the year for your first draft pick is probably under, a lot under than what you need. Especially when, what's Salah on track for? About 350, something like that, was what it was. It might be a little bit lower now. Um, but 150 is low. Okay. Do you think then he... Okay, so let's say he decides he wants to trade anyway, which Ben can do. Um, do you think he would still be able to profit from Kane and get two players to bolster his team? Because I'm, I'm going to say that he's got. you'd go like a Kane and a small nothing defender, midfielder, whatever. Bring in two players that could potentially combine to get you, say, an extra 200 points as opposed to another 110 or 120 could it could could you pull that off and is that something you would look to do i've looked at making a very similar trade to ben obviously i'm just on the other side of things i can't remember exactly but i'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of jesus and madison maybe for kane and a throwaway midfielder um now at the time kane was awful i would be interested to know what then it's the value is now. If that couldn't go through then... Now, in saying that, Madison's value has increased, I would say. He's playing a lot better than he, they were, um, and he particularly has. But I would say you would have to give him the quality of a first-round pick to get him, and potentially something else. I don't think, I don't think there's almost anybody in the league you could do a straight swap with. Obviously, because it'd have to be a forward as well. The only one may be Ronaldo, which I'm not going to do. Um, I think Man United 
A, get the rub of the green more often than not in terms of penalties. And if he is on penalties, that's an easy out for him to get it. Um, and I think that in the long run, Ronaldo will outscore Kane for the rest of the season. Um, I think they're just personally just going to be better. I, I still think Kane will score well. I just don't think he'll do well enough to opt for that one-to-one trade. But if I was to take that trade from Ben's perspective, it would have been two weeks ago. I think, like I said before, he's past the point now where he can actually make that trade. I think he'd be asking for too much for anyone to actually give it to him. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, I just like to always think overall in terms of total points. So I, I, I tend not to look at points from one person unless you've got Salah at the moment. Um, in that, okay, if I can make a trade and get more points than what I've currently got, then that's what I'm going to look to do potentially, right? That's what we all want to do. So I could just see like Kane, yeah, might get 110 more points or whatever the case is. Can I get two players that will get more than that? And I guess, would I be tempted to do it if Kane was doing poorly? And we say he's turned a corner. Yeah, he might have, absolutely. Let's say we're at the point where he hasn't turned a corner. Does it play with your mind, though, that you're giving up your first-round draft pick? Is that too big a sacrifice where you're not yes. going to get one back? Yeah? Even if they're playing yes. really bad? Yes. Now, the only... like. My saving grace to that was I had Ronaldo. So in my team, I still effectively have a first-round draft pick. What Ben's giving up is he loses that player that can haul. Yes, he's got Foden. Yes, he may have someone else that can do a job. But with Kane, you haul or get two. With Foden, you haul or get nothing. There's no in-between. I think that's the problem with Ben's team. It's an all or nothing. Kane gives him an option to have, I think, his entire... His top end has just moved up. He can suddenly score a hat-trick and get him 20 points or 17 or whatever it's going to be. Mm. I don't think anyone else in his team can do that except Foden, and Foden's going to get him zero too many times. Or even worse, get him one. What if the trade was, and I'm not saying that Jeff would do this, but I'm looking at Jeff's team because he's got some heavy hitters in his team. So let's say that there was a trade put together and it was Kane and someone, I don't know who that someone would be, for let's say a Bernardo and Barty, right? I don't, I don't know if that trade would happen. You could scrutinize that, fair enough. But is that are they, those two players good enough for you to actually turn around and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that because like Jeff might be like, Barty's going to turn the corner. He's going to turn the corner. I want him in my team. There you go. There's those two players. I want Kane and somebody, whoever. Is that enough of a temptation though? Because I look at those two players and they've done pretty well, right? It's a 50-50 call. Um, like, do you want two very good players or one really elite player? Assuming Kane is going to be very good for the rest of the season in this conversation. It's hard because you say, all right, well, if if I've got two very good players, the chances one of them hits is higher. But then if it's someone like a Salah or a TAA or a Cancelo, it, they've been so good that it doesn't matter. So it's one of those things like you're never going to know the answer to that unless you look back at the end of the season and go, well, should have made that move or whatever. But 
it's 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 an impossible to say at this point whether or not you'd rather have like two very goods or one elite or if Kane's going to be elite. Um, yeah, that's just a gut feel call. One of those ones. If the luck goes with you, you look awesome. If it doesn't go with you, you look like me. Oh, Gilby, don't be so harsh on yourself. <laughs> but I was going to say, like with Fernandez, like we've discussed the Fernandez situation. Um, would you look to trade? And cons- you're here saying that, oh, you know, he's not really a first-round draft pick anymore. Are you then worried that you're not going to get, if, that you may not get a first-round pick for him? Like, is that, or it, does that mean, well, I'm not going to trade then? Full stop. Uh, I mean, it's a tough one, but being a Manchester United fan, obviously the mm. affection for it comes in as well. Yep. Um, so to me, I would only consider, like if you look at the pure statistics, he still ranks number one for creativity in the league. Um, still should have arguably scored a few more chances than he has. I mean, missed that penalty, which really hurt as well. So, I mean, I still think he's one of the few genuinely elite players in the league. Um whether or not that actually pans out for the rest of the season, like whether he actually gets the points. Like I've talked before, like my team's great on paper, but this game isn't played on paper, unfortunately. So whether or not that plays out, I don't know. Do you consider, so I assume based on that, you do consider Fernandez to be the best of your three men, men United mids? Yes. Um, By I far? Will, no. Um, I would have thought, like, all going to plan, um, I thought Rashford would be very, very good this season. That's why I was prepared to take him a little bit earlier in the draft than perhaps most people would have. I thought he would be starting left wing and he'd be very, very good. He's been one of Solskjaer's favourites. Obviously, that has not planned out. And the bad news for him as well is when he played up front with Ronaldo in the 4 triple two that Rangnick's been playing, he didn't look good at all and arguably has not been good for most of the season at all for how many goals he's scored. Two goals since he's come back, so that move has not worked out. He hasn't turned out to be an elite midfielder. Sancho, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. It does look like he may be more reliably playing now, but yeah, Manchester United haven't looked good and I've got three of them, so that's always going to sting if the team you're basing a lot of your picks around doesn't play well. Well, boys, thank you for, for humoring me with uh, this week's edition of It's a Bold, That's a Bold Strategy, Cotton. Um, I'm not sure that we answered the question. Uh, we answered the question, but just in terms of like us being like, yep, no, this is the strategy. Still got ways to go there. But I, I think it's there's some interesting points to think about as we move forward and just how valuable some of our draft picks actually are. So what we'll look at doing now, boys, is we'll look at the next game week. Game week 19 coming up uh, on Boxing Day. So uh, we're looking at Sunday, the 26th for us here in Australia. We start with Liverpool versus Leeds, then Wolves versus Watford. Uh, Moving on to Burnley versus Everton, Man City versus Leicester, Norwich versus Arsenal, um, Spurs versus Crystal Palace, West Ham versus Southampton, Aston Villa versus Chelsea, Brighton versus Brentford, and Newcastle versus Man United. Now, we haven't got a crystal ball, so we have no idea which of these games will be played or won't be played. But, boys, let's assume they're all going to be played this particular game week. Which games are we looking to for some good fantasy points? Gilby, I'll start with you. Where What, what, what fixtures take your eye? 
Well, there's a couple of obvious ones, but I'll go a little bit off the beaten path and look at my statistics, um, which has worked so well for me this last month and a bit. Um, Burnley is going to smash Everton. Um, wow. And I'm going to say that because uh, Everton has conceded 24 shots from set pieces in the last four rounds, which is the most in the league by a fair way. And Burnley are famously pretty good in the air. Uh, Their two top uh, aerial threats are Tarkowski and Wood. Um, so I know Mick brought in Tarkowski this week, so that could be worth a hold. I'm going to hold Wood for this week, even though I was sorely tempted by... Um, Josh King from Watford on the waiver wire at the moment. Um, so I'm going to tip Burnley to pull a Burnley and score for some set-piece goals versus Everton. Ooh. Very good. Yeah, you're a good shout there, I think. That's going to be a, an, an interesting game and definitely off the beaten track there, Gilby. So um, I'm going to stick onto the uh, heavily used track, however, uh, and I'm going to say there's a game that really interests me, but it's not the game I think will have the most points. The game that interests me is Aston Villa-Chelsea. Um, Chelsea have sort of been in a bit of a downturn. Aston Villa might still have a bit of that new manager sort of bump at the moment. Um, they had been playing pretty well. I'm interested to see how that one goes. I think that's going to be a very, very interesting game. But the game that I'm looking at in particular is uh, Norwich versus Arsenal. Um, Arsenal have looked very good in attack. They've got a very young attacking side. Um no, about Miang, obviously, but Lacazette has more than filled in, um, and they've got some fantastic attacking players. I'm expecting that they are going to do quite well versus Norwich, who haven't seemed to uh, have, have improved, but they just haven't seemed to be able to string lots of wins together. So that's the game that I think there will be some really good returns for Arsenal um, and some clean sheets and things like that there. Um, so, Mick, it is down to you, and obviously everyone is hanging out for your your multi, which I'm sure you're very, very um, quickly still still getting I'll together. I'll tip one. I'll tip one for uh, Jeff's benefit. Um, what do we think the over under is <laughs> um, on Salah scoring goals against Leeds? Do we think we think? Well, I wonder what the chance of a hat trick at least is. I mean, they're going to tear them apart, aren't they? <laughs> like it's just. You would oh. have to say the odds are pretty high. Um, it's just who scores the goals there, whether it's yeah. Mane, Jota, Ooh. Salah, or maybe someone else chips in, like a Ooh, TAA, yeah. obviously. I mean, Mane, for me, has been off the ball for the last few weeks. I'd love Mane to, to kick it up a notch, but just Salah's been so good. He hasn't missed out too often. You know he's going to... You know, or Salah will get an attacking return game. somewhere. It's oh, just yeah. whether or not he gets the biggest. Obviously, I am hoping for Jota finally being on the end of some of that um, rather than being on the end of spooning chances over from six yards. But <laughs> that would be a nice change for me. But what do, what do you think, Mick? What have you got there? Uh, well, we've been so into it. There's only three of us today, no Dave. So we've been carrying a bit of his uh, workload as well. That I haven't had a look... Oh, I mean, like, we always ooh. carry him anyway, don't yeah. we? Um, no one's even noticed he's not here. Anyway, my in this whole time, I've forgotten about the multi and I hadn't put one together. So I was like, oh, sweet, grab my phone out. My phone's dead. So I'm very, very quickly trying to bring something up on the, the computer here, which, oh, man, betting's not made for a computer. Um, well, in my <laughs> opinion, anyway, it's so much easier on a phone where you can tap. So first game I went to, based on, I guess, recent results, not even statistical, just from the way I remember recent results. Wolves-Watford. 
Wolves have been really good. Ever since I dropped their goalkeeper and Saiz, they've been really good. So I'm <laughs> going to throw in that Wolves are going to win. Um, defensively, I think it's something like in the last uh, eight matches, it's been under two and a half goals in the Wolves' games. So that's where we're kind of looking. We are looking at, let me see if I can bring them all up because that's going to be tough. I have, I think Jimenez will score. I'm going to go right out there. I think Adama Traore is going to score. Oh, wow. Are you sure? I know. I know. That's got to be $38 by itself, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, considering there's four more things to go and I'm not at $34, that's uh, that's (laughs) impressive. So basically it's going to be, they will win to nil. There will be a goal in both halves. And I've got Jimenez and Traore to score and over two and a half goals, obviously. So I've actually gone the overs. I think they've been battling for so long, but they've been having such hard fixtures. I think this is their chance to actually come the other way. Now, the Traore one was kind of to throw it in there because, hey, he always goes really close to the box and then loses the ball. Um, Maybe it's his turn to actually do something with it. Watford haven't probably been as bad as we maybe think they have been, um, but Wolves have probably just been better. So I'm not necessarily going against Watford. I just think Wolves will actually play really well. Um, and why not? Nathan's got Jimenez. Jimenez has been doing really well. No one's got Traore. So well, that's kind of suiting I, everything. I really want you to put your money where your mouth is and pick up Traore in the waiver this week then, Mick. Come on. I don't You're confident, think- obviously. Last time you told me to do something, that player ended up doing really well. But what you told me to do was to get rid of him. So I'm not listening to you. I'm okay. going to do my own thing. Fine. I mean, I was still and, right. Yeah, you will be right. But that's okay. Um, and you know what? If he does score, I will also be right. That's okay. I'm happy with that. Yeah, but you've got so, three other things that also have to happen too. I'm not I'm not. Yeah, hey, hey, you. if I get one leg, that's a good thing. I haven't even got that recently. So let's let's. I'm going to get this right this week. <laughs> Um, but like I said, that's only 34 to one. So Jimenez, Traore to score, goal in each half. They're going to win to nil. Obviously one other goal scorer as well. And let's throw it. It'll probably be sized because I don't have him anymore either. <laughs> oh, very good. No, thank you very much, Mick, for that. And uh, Gilby, also thank you very much for being with us this week. We we may be graced with Dave's presence next week. We'll just have to, to wait and see. But um in any case, guys, I hope everyone has a, a wonderful um, game week. Game week nineteen coming up. Um, you know, given the podcast is a podcast, and uh, you know, time doesn't mean too much. Uh, it is Christmas coming up, so I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas as well and a nice, relaxing time away from work. So, guys, thank you very much, and uh, we will catch you next week. <laughs>